We turn for a little to First Kings and chapter 17. And uh, reading from the beginning of the chapter again, First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And uh, Elijah Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the blue cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook, and so on. It's always profitable for us to look at uh, the characters and the life of the characters of uh, Scripture. We can learn many great truths from studying these characters. We can find help and this study can be a, a means of making us grasp uh, some of the great truths that God's Word uh, brings before us. Because when we look at these characters, we're not uh, just seeing their high points and their times uh, when they were totally obedient to God's Word, but we're also seeing their times when their faith seemed to, to desert them. <coughs> and uh, they would turn and go in the opposite direction to that which the Lord had ordered them to do. And I think that is so characteristic so often of our own lives. Sometimes it is perhaps quite easy for us to, to follow the commands that uh, God gives to us. It may be easy sometimes to follow the commands of his word, to recognize uh, his voice speaking to us. And we know from experience uh, that uh, it is also true that at other times the last thing we want to do is to be obedient to God's word. And uh, in our often seeking to sidestep the issues of God's word that may confront us or his voice speaking to us, we can become very skilled in making so many different excuses rather than be obedient to God's word. And I think everyone who has faith in Christ, every believer here tonight, I'm sure knows at least in some small way something of that in their own experience 
And so when we look at the characters of scripture, as I said, we so often see that that is true in their lives. And when we see the failures in their lives and we see the failures in our own, we can also discover the remedies that God brought to the fore to correct faithlessness or to correct uh, man's disobedience. And we can learn and we can follow these particular patterns that God has laid down in his word for us because he has left us an example that we should follow him. Now this evening I just want for a little uh, to look at this first incident in uh, the life of uh, Elijah. The life of Elijah I'm sure is well known uh, to all of you. But uh, I think perhaps uh, it would be helpful just for a little for us to look at some of the teaching here. Now, the first thing I think that we see here is uh, that he is obedient to God's direction. You notice what he says there in verse 2. The word of the Lord came unto him. And uh, verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And I think when we, when we see there in verse 2, something of a way in which God's word comes, the word of the Lord came unto him, it, it may well be a, a good point for us just to pause and ask ourselves quite simply and uh, searchingly, I hope, uh, do we have that discernment, do we have that ear to discern the word of the Lord speaking to us. Because it seems obvious at this point in the life of Elijah that he is well tuned in, we would use that expression, to what God's word has to say. He has an ear to hear what God's word will say. And not only does he have an ear to hear what God's word says, but he has a spirit that is willing to be obedient and to go in the direction that God's word says. And so these two elements uh, go very closely together. The discernment to know the Lord's voice and the willingness to be obedient to that voice. And it's in that area uh, that we see so often uh, that God leads his people. It is there that we see that he leads them so often into areas, into paths, into byways and highways that they least expect it. And perhaps for some even of ourselves that we least desire to go. And you'll notice when God's director comes to him, it is that he takes him to a place that perhaps he least expected. And it is to a place that in many ways is perhaps not all that attractive. It is, it is to a brook. It is not even to a river. It is to the brook Cherith, which was on uh, the very uh, banks of uh, the Jordan. And it is there uh, that he, he deals with this man. And I feel that when we see such a situation, we see that the Lord, even although he might send us or lead us, point us in certain directions. It is not for us, in a sense, to, 
to decide for ourselves whether we ought to go there or not. But it is for you and for me, if we are living, seeking to live out the life of faith, it is for you and for me to go in that particular direction. It is for us uh, to be obedient uh, to that word. And it is that element of obedience that is so crucial in this early stage of Elijah's life. Is this willingness to be obedient, to have the hearing ear, to have the willingness to go, and that takes in the whole picture of a man who is willing to be obedient to God's word. And you can think of the different ways, different times in scripture, when God's word has directed individuals in certain directions. You can think of even sometimes the reasoning that, for example, the disciples, when the Lord tells them uh, to cast their nets out, and you remember that they, for a moment, tell them that they have been working and we have toiled all the night. It's as if they're beginning to uh, argue with him concerning the, the, the wisdom of his direction upon their lives. And yet there is this, that they come to this mind where they say, we will do it at thy bidding. And so you see the necessity of doing it at his bidding, of having lives that are brought under his subjection, of having lives that are brought under his control, and of having lives that are willing to be under his control, no matter where it may be that he will send us, no matter where it will be that he would ask us to go, be it to Cherith, where there is but a brook, or be it somewhere else, it is this uh, spirit of agreement that we need to say, Lord, I hear your voice, I discern your voice, I know your voice, and because I know it, I am willing to go where you would have me go. And you'll see when, in a moment too, that God rewards obedience, that God rewards obedience, and that God wants us to learn that he will work so often in a contrary way, in the opposite way perhaps, to the way in which you and I would want him to work. And that so often our discernments and our judgments upon the way in which God's work, these are tainted and tarnished by our own particular viewpoint, as opposed to coming to scripture and examining there how perhaps God dealt with other characters, with other biblical characters. And that's why I said it's so important and it's so great a lesson for us so often to come to this word and to find how God dealt with a particular or particular situation. And to find how God dealt with these men and women in these particular situations. And because so often when, we, when we're seeking God's direction, we must also be willing 
uh, to be in agreement with his uh, word and with his direction. And in that, you see, is he not as if it were, and I use the word, I hope with reverence, checking out to see where, uh, to see what level of obedience or to see what level of willingness you or I might have to go in that way. He's wanting to examine. He's wanting to see whether in our asking of him we are willing when he tells us, when he explains to us, when he shows us. He's wanting us, he wants to see whether you or I are willing to go in that way. And in this path often, the more we subject, the more we uh, come into agreement with his will, the more we are willing to subject ourselves to his direction for our lives, the more we will discover that he is leading us into newer <coughs> and into greater uh, pathways. They might be greater pathways spiritually, they might be greater pathways of difficulty. There is no, as if it were, guarantee that although we might be in the path of obedience, it is going to be a, a road that has no ups and downs. On the contrary, it is so often the case. You see it in the life of the apostles. How often they were scattered in persecution to one place and another. And uh, they would find a witness there and there would be more persecution and more scattering. And in all of that, the outworking of God's kingdom was launching forth. And the church, God was adding to the church daily, such as would be saved. And he's, he's seeing our faith. And he's testing our faith. And he's, he's stretching our faith. And he's increasing our faith. He's building us up block by block. And in that all the more seeking to make us willing to be obedient to him. Let's just for a moment digress to the other part of the story. You see how he, how he goes, we're saying he goes out by God's direction. He has the year of the Lord to discern his direction. And he takes him there to Cherit to a brook. And then the brook dries up and he moves on from Cherit to Sarepha. And at Sarepha he is provided for again, but in the midst of it all, there's a crisis. You see, the, the principle is there, that although he is leading us and he is directing us, nevertheless, he can confront us with extremely difficult situations. And in these, he's asking that we cast ourselves more and more upon him. My soul, wait thou with patience upon thy God alone. Ye people, place your confidence in him. And it's that element that is perhaps so much lacking in us and that manifests so often so much failure in our Christian lives. Failure to place our trust and our confidence in him self will rear its head so readily and we go out in our own strength 
like Samson of old, perhaps in a different context. But nevertheless, you see how he was confident in his own strength. He said, I will go out as before and didn't have the discernment to know that the Lord had departed from him. How often can we go out in our own strength? We have not got that discernment know that the Lord is not with us as he has been with us in previous times. And we'll see on from that. He trains Elijah in the discipline of being alone with God, perhaps up to a, certainly up to a period of three years, including Sarepha, until eventually he will take him on again to meet, to reach, to meet Ahab, and then to take him on to that momentous confrontation on, on Mount Carmel. All the time he is being taught, and in that time, in that framework, he is learning to walk in the path of uh, obedience. And there's something else we need to learn in this path of obedience. And it is this. It is to take it one step at a time. So often our fears well up because we're looking so far ahead. Now God is telling Elijah here, you just go to Cherith. And then later on, as if it were, he's saying, I will reveal to you what I want, what my plan is for your life. It is waiting with patience upon the Lord. It is that element that says, I am here and he has placed me here. I must learn to live here, to, to organize my life here, to cope with the situation by seeking help from the Lord waiting with patience upon him. His grace is sufficient for all of our needs. God's direction. Not only is it God's direction, but it is to God's place. And he, if he's to have the Lord's blessing and to be further able to discern uh, the, the voice of the Lord, he must do so in that place where God has placed him. And in a very real sense, surely he had to go there to be alone with his God. You know, it's a, perhaps a spirit that is difficult for us to cultivate at times. To have that patience, to have that frame of mind, to have that willingness within us whereby we are brought to this where I must go alone to cherish with my God. Remember how the psalmist puts it, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High inside, under the shade of him that is the Almighty, shall abide. Then the psalmist, as he could say, because he was disciplined in the secret place, I of the Lord my God will say, he is my refuge still, he is my fortress and my God, and in him trusts, I will. And it is a discipline that we must learn each and every day. It's not just something we must try and cultivate, perhaps as we're so often guilty of doing before I come in, trying to get ourselves into a spiritual frame of mind. Because the communion is alone. 
It is something that we ought to be at each day. And when he is absent from us, can we not express the words of the son who longs, who longs that the Lord would manifest his power and his glory. And he had experienced it in times past. And he wants it back again. And he's pleading with the Lord for it. The Lord surely is calling you a night day to be pleading. And it's as we come to his place that there we will learn the discipline of pleading. And you'll see the word of the Lord came and said, Get thee hence, turn eastward. And then he says, Hide thyself. Now, isn't this a strange request in a sense? For a man who is going to bring down uh, the, the, the powers of evil that reigned and ruled in the land. But you see, he's teaching him uh, to, 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 as if it were, as a child crawls and as a child learns to walk. The Lord is teaching him. The Lord is saying to him, you go and hide yourself there. You go aside and be there with me and I with you. Can you see the confront you and me again tonight with the question? Am I, am I cultivating that kind of frame of mind in my Christian life? Am I, am I going to this place where the Lord will meet with me and where the Lord will deal with me? And where I can go aside and speak with him. Where I shut all else out and do business with him. You know, when you think about, pick that phrase, you do business with heaven. You think of the way in which business is done in a, in a secular sense. Uh, sometimes the intensity of effort that is put into it. The, 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 the discipline that is involved. The preparation that goes on beforehand. And... Uh, the setting up of so many different arms and of all these coming together doing business well how much more should the heavenly business be conducted how much more should there not be this preparation how much more should there not be this intensity of purpose in seeking to, to drive ourselves to, to be as it were propelled into this place to meet with the Lord there and you see when you come to this place and when we ask and he gives us that right frame of mind of spirit is it not so that we then have a mind and a spirit that is willing to submit you see we go back just for a moment to what we said about the self. Self, you see, in a sense, counteracts this willingness to submission. Self is so often the last enemy that is, that is, that is in need of destruction within us. And you see, if there is to be submission, there must be the cancelling out of self within us. There must be this, that I come and say, Lord, I hear the voice. Lord, I am submitting to your voice and Lord I will do as you would have me do. It's the example of our Lord. 
The example that takes him to Calvary. Not my will, but thine be done. Oh, him right of me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. These are the standards he demands of us. These are the paths that lead us into true fellowship with him. These are the marks he sticks upon his disciples whom he has purchased with his own blood. Surely we haven't been in that place as we ought to have been. We ought to start this very night and find that place. Find that cherish for our soul. Then Lord will speak with us. Then, of course, although he speaks, we need, as we said at the outset, that ear that discerns his speaking to us. And that willingness to submit, that mind that says, this is the Lord, and he is speaking to me, and he is saying to me, I want your life. And I wanted more and more to be in, in service for me. And there's not just submission, but there is this great element of faith, this trusting to the Lord's word. Trusting that the Lord will help them there. As I said, it's not a river he takes them to. The land is, is going to be in drought. And he doesn't take him to a river where he, where, where he sits down to well. There's enough here to keep me going for a while. No, it's just a little brook. And you see what happens when he's there on the path of duty. It dries up. The water finishes. And he has to move on. But you see, here is the way in which God deals with his people. He takes us uh, to, to, to teach us to trust in him. He takes us and says, I'm putting you here. And as I said, uh, without wanting to uh, uh, enlarge it again, but to remind you, I'm setting you here so that you will learn patience, so that you will learn discipline, so that you will learn willingness, so that you will learn to trust me, to trust in me alone, and to see that I will supply all your needs. Someone was drawing a contrast between this trust of of uh, Elijah and the way in which there was prosperity with Jeshurun. Remember how the words from Deuteronomy put Jeshurun waxed fat. And then what happened? He forsook the Lord. You see, because of his plenty, he ceased to have that dependence upon the Lord that was so crucial. He ceased to have that hunger and that thirst for the Lord, for his word, for his company, for a fellowship with his people. He became self-sufficient and then you see he forsook the Lord. God in his wisdom and by his dealing through the agency of the Holy Spirit with us sometimes gives us just sufficient for that moment 
So we will return to that place again and ask of him and prove him and, 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 and show him our own willingness, our own desire and fulfill his purpose for our lives. This brook was just as blessed a place for Elijah as any plentiful river could or would have been just as precious a place for this man as a place where there would be plenty prayerful submissiveness to his will. It's also a place of standing, inevitably a place, inevitably a place of strengthening, but it's also a place of safety. And you'll notice one other thing. You'll notice one other thing here that is that is so I think astonishing. You see the way God supplies him here. He supplies him from the brook for a moment. And then you see what he does here. He went and did according unto the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook terrace that's good. And the ravens brought him bread. Now you remember in Leviticus what is said of the, these birds, they were an abomination. And yet, God uses them for his own purpose, for his own glory. Anything of our imagining. He feeds them there with food supplied by the ravens. These created beings used by God to supply his servant. He uses, does he not, so many different means to supply you and to supply me. So many different ways in which he shows us that we are his own. So many different ways he proves his love for us. How much we fail in proving our love for him. But because of the greatness of his mercy, he shows us something of his love for us. He provides there for his servant. Just as he provides for his a passage through the Jordan, passage through the Red Sea, just as he closes the mouth of the lion in the den. You see, he is a God who is almighty, all-powerful, and perhaps in a day of small things and of drought, we've lost that picture, that concept of the greatness of our God and the marvel of what he has done for us, the provision he has made for us. We need to come back again to, to reflect upon that. We need his spirit to enlighten us so that we can be obedient uh, to his own will for our lives. And then, when you see the brook rise up, it's time to move on to a greater stage. And what happens then to you? Well, the word tells us, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, You see, because there was obedience in the first step, God doesn't leave him. He takes him on as if it were to stage two. Oh, he says, you go now 
Elijah. You learn the next day in this school of faith and I will lead you. And again he has put this sermon to know the Lord's voice speaking to him. I wonder perhaps if the Lord is speaking to you and to me tonight. Perhaps he's using this incident to reprove my life and to reprove your life. Perhaps he's using this story that we're so, so familiar with to point us back again to the need to discern the Lord's voice. And the need to come and be obedient to that voice. And for the need to go out by faith, being submissive to his direction. Being submissive, so as I will be in the place where he puts me, where he places me. Being submissive and being content with the supply with which he supplies me. Being submissive to being in the place where he will keep us in safety, despite the fact there may be many dangers. Such is his way of teaching us. Such is the way sometimes that we must learn. <coughs> but if we are willing to learn, he will help us and he will bend our will more and more towards him. He makes our people willing in a day of his power. And will it be not a blessed communion season for us if we count, we, if we could come into that framework of, of willingness and of discernment and to be in that unity of the Spirit, to be in that oneness, to be knowing that the Lord is in our midst and that he is taking his word, not man's word, but his word and applying that word to the heart of both speaker and hearers. I like. Let us pray.